evening, friends. Um, I'm happy to be here tonight and uh, have that real fine welcome everybody wanting to uh, come in. It makes me feel real good. I, I haven't had much opportunity to speak or study or anything because all my services has been healing, so I just love to talk. <laughs> everybody knows that. I guess I'm... Mama said I talked before I walked. <laughs> you know what the old saying is about that. So I'm very happy to know that God has changed my heart that the talk is about Him. See? And I just want to die talking about Him. <laughs> Singing His praises and doing that which I think is right. We don't have very much time because we have communion service tonight. Wednesday night will be teaching service where we're going to teach if the Lord willing. Now, tonight, just for a short time, a few minutes, the Lord willing, I wish to, kind of a little unexpected, you know, because it's always, I believe the Bible said, be instant, in season, out of season. Be willing to get, uh, ready to give an answer for the hope that's within you. And so, if I can testify to the hope that lays within me, well, it'll be a blessing for me to tell you, and I hope it'll be a blessing for you to receive it and know that. Do your faith corresponds to the same thing and the same hope that's in me lays in you. And we're fellow citizens of the kingdom of God. I was glad to hear these revivals announced at the Methodist Church in New Albany. I didn't get that about Louisville, but perhaps you did. And Brother Sleeman just told us about you around those revivals. Tandem. Go out and let yourself be represented with the children of God to show what side we're on. We're on the Lord's side, and we want to be represented with His people. Now, Wednesday night, as Brother Neville said, is teaching service. I think they're having a kind of a teaching class, aren't you, Brother Neville? That's very fine. Teaching the Word always keeps the church built up. We live, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. And this morning we were talking about how infallible that Word was. How it had to come to pass. And after they were singing, I thought, well, what will I speak about? And I have to think, it's that all the saints will have a seal in their forehead. See, when they get over there, all the saints will have a seal in their forehead. And I thought tonight I would read a little speck of scripture out of the Bible here somewhere, and um, over in the Gospels. And Jesus, after he made the ending of the speech, he said, Today, these words is fulfilled. Now, uh, Christ in His beginning, uh, of the beginning of His ministry, was uh, born, of course, in the world, the Son of God. He is born Jesus the Lord. And then after eight days of His circumcision, He was given, uh, He was born Christ the Lord, rather, and was given the name of Jesus. Jesus was His given name, Christ was his title of what he was. He was the Christ, the anointed of God when he was born. And now, knowing a communion service usually lasts quite a little bit, and I don't want to speak too long, but just enough for a good, what we feel the Spirit of God to get among us so we can have the, the services. Now remember all the other services that's announced, the revivals everywhere, the sick and needy, he just spoke to me about, he had visited a home a while ago for a boy, demon-possessed, and wanting to be delivered. Now, the Bible said for us to, to congregate together and pray for these people. You know, 
Then there's a, a little lady by the name of Georgie Carter who was healed by a vision all many years ago. And she was tucked off the bed of affliction with TB. Been laying there eight years and nine months. Hadn't even raised in the bed. And I was went out to pray for her. And I, you know the story how the father and mother did not believe in divine healing. And I wasn't very welcome. And the girl wanted to be healed. Then one day over Brother Wright, I was over there having uh, a baptismal service. And... The girl wanted to be baptized, and she couldn't get out of bed. Of course, she hadn't been out for eight or nine years. And I'd been praying over in a wilderness or the woods, and Sister Wright rang the bell for us to come to supper. And I was just praying so in our Lord Jesus' presence so close. Well, I didn't notice the bell ringing. And it began to get towards dark. And I seen a light shining down through a dogwood bush, it said, go over the way of Carter's. Brother Wright, he was with me. And when we got there, just exactly the way the vision had said, that's the way it happened. And Georgie was instantly healed from being in affliction nine years and eight months without moving from the bed. And she's never been back in bed as far as I know, unless she'd had a bad cold or something until now. And I understand that she's seriously ill. When we were having a meeting down at Brother Wright's here before I left for overseas, the girl was up there, and I could told Brother Wright after she left, something in the Spirit of the Lord kept pressing me to go to Georgie. And now I hear that she's in the last stage of cancer in the breast. And she'd give up to die and was going to go ahead and accept her death. And said that she heard that I come back and bless her little heart. She got up out of the bed and said, Lee should be healed now. So that's a lot of faith. I to believe that God hear mortals' prayers. So I uh, I love Georgie as my sister, and I want you to join with me in prayer that God will spare her life. Uh, if you'll just tell me what to say now when I get there. So many others, Mr. Wiseheart, Brother Jim Wiseheart. That used to come here, his brother's boys over there in the hospital, they just called, with a Hodgson disease. That's worse than cancer, you know. And we had a case of that heel right here in Tabernacle recently. You remember the young girl, the doctor gave 30 days to live. This high school student here. And her mother come up and gave her life to Christ and was baptized. And the girl too, they said, keep it away from her, don't let her know that death is on her. And... Before that, coming down through the line here that morning, the Holy Spirit caught her, know what she had done and so forth, and she was instantly healed till they couldn't even find a spot of it. And that's been about two or three years ago, and I met the girl about a year ago. I think she's married now and just doing fine. Never seen no more of it. Now, God can heal Hodgson's disease. It doesn't make any difference. I'm the Lord and He of all of that. So let's talk to Him a little bit for the, in the behalf of the sick and for the ongoing of the service. Now, kind Heavenly Father, as we've gathered here in this lovely little place, maybe not so much to the eyes to look, but... Father, we feel so at home here, just knowing that you have blessed us so many times. Feel to this little place like Jacob that night after running from his brother 
had a vision seeing the angels of God ascending and descending on a ladder, rolled the stones together and said, This is the house of the Lord. Amen. Father, I pray that you will bless these who have gathered here in the house of the Lord tonight at Bethel. Hear our prayers for these who are sick. That demon-possessed young man that's visiting our brethren. And we pray for little Georgie, Lord. God, don't let death swallow her up. You spare her 12, 14 years now. I pray that you'll continue. Thou who can take the TB right out of her can take the cancer away from her. Amen. Thou art God. And we love you, Father. And we are asking this with unwavering faith. Amen. And there in the hospital, that young man, young soldier, laying there dying, all hopes is gone. But, Father, it was in that kind of hour when you spoke to Paul, said, Be of a good courage, Paul. Amen. Speak again, Lord. Thank you. I pray that you'll spare the boy's life. Yes, Granted, may he not die, Lord, may he live, that the glory of God may be brought forth in his yes, life. Thank you. Help us tonight now in the service. Forgive us of our sins. Not knowing one word to say, we commit all things to you and ask that glory will be to you. For we ask that in Jesus' name, thy Son, amen. Now, I just love to talk about the one that we worship here, the Lord Jesus. He's so good to us, and we all love Him. I'm sure tonight it would be the very deepest of our hearts to realize that He was in our midst if we could only see Him. But He's here. I'll assure you that, that His Spirit that fills the earth, sea, and sky is in this auditorium here with us tonight. And he, he, uh, we are praises is acceptable in His sight and He loves to be worshipped. Amen. Now, for a few fundamental thoughts on why we're here, the house of God is a house of correction. Amen. Law goes forth from the house of God. And I think at the time that we're living and especially in these dark, shadowy hours, uh, after a travel and watching all nations, there's only one hope that I can see left, and that's the second coming of the Lord Jesus. And He's just as sure to come as He was here the first time. I believe it with all my heart, with all my life. For His Word, as we've seen this morning, has to be fulfilled. It is God's thought made manifest by His Word and brought to a reality. We had the subject this morning to some of the strangers. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Now the Word was the beginning, but before it was a Word, a, a Word is a thought made manifest. God had to think it before he could make it a word, then he spoke the word and it materialized. Amen. Now, the same one that sent the Lord Jesus here by his spoken word, it materialized and became the Son of God, died as uh, innocent for the guilty to redeem us back to fellowship to God, 
that we might, who are once alienated from God, can now be brought nigh to God by the offering of the blood of the righteous Son of God. Amen. Just as sure as Jesus come the first time as a Redeemer, He's coming a second time as a bridegroom. He, he, he's coming. And although many times we think, well, the, oh, it's been a long time and we thought this for years, that's what they thought before His first coming. Yes. And they're bound to think the same thing for the second coming. Because the Bible said that they'd say there's no difference than what the time our fathers fell asleep. Yes. But in the hour that you think not, it's going to happen. Yes. Now, it behooves us in America, as American Christians, God's going to require a lot at our hands. Because we have the true gospel light and are failing to make use of it like we should do it. Amen. So tonight, I want to speak to the Christians concerning how you could grieve away the time of repentance for you. And how that you could be absolutely marked out having no part with Christ by making the wrong choice. Now these things are a little rough, but it has to get rough once in a while to, to make us appreciate the Lord Jesus. A brother met me today as I was going out and he said, Brother Branham, financial troubles has burdened his heart. He said, after hearing about the poor people in India and so forth, he said, but yet, Every time said I got good health and but everything's always banging me down. I said, Every son that cometh to God must be chastened of God. Everyone. We just have to be tried. God's whip laid on us seem like being innocent. God's doing that to prove that we are sons. Those who cannot stand chastisement is illegitimate children are not true sons of God, but that man or woman who can stand and take their whipping and everything going wrong, still look up and say, Lord, I love you. Amen. That's the one. That's the He that endures to the end, the same shall be saved. Now, I love that, don't you? And knowing this, that tribulation worketh patience, patience worketh hope, Hope maketh not a shame. There you are. Tribulations worketh patience. Be patient. And hope maketh not a shame. And we've got the hope tonight in all of our tribulations, yet it works. Tribulations makes us patient, waiting to the coming of the Lord. When He will be revealed from heaven the second time in glory and majesty, the seal give up its dead. The corruptible bodies of those who sleep in Him will be changed and made like unto His own glorious body, whereby He's able to subdue all things unto Himself. And what are we tonight but to be a happy, rejoicing Christians looking for that great day of the coming of the Lord? Amen. Jesus here speaking again on the Word. A while ago there was a lovely brother come to see me a few moments. He may be in the building now. I don't see him. But he said, Brother Branham, I appreciate the Word. That's it. The Word. The Word is established. It's the thing that you can't have faith just off on something that someone said. It's got to have a foundation. And what other foundation would be greater than the Word of God? 
when all the heavens and earth will pass away, but His Word is just as endless as eternity Amen. is. It will move on and on and on forever. It will be the same. Notice, Jesus, as we have to hurry right straight to the text now on the count of communion service, and that's our part. Every man now and woman, boy or girl, that calls on the name of Jesus, fix your hearts now for preparation for the Lord's Supper. Oh, it's a wonderful thing. God said, Jesus Christ said, If you, he that eats my flesh, drinks my blood, has everlasting life, and I'll raise him up at the last day. And he that eateth not has no part with me. And he that eateth and drinketh unworthily, eat and drinks damnation to himself. What a time. Now let's prepare for this great glorious event in a few moments. One of the greatest that I think we have in the tabernacle is the communion night. Now, in the early days of our Lord's ministry here, He'd come into Capernaum, I think, again, and He sat down on the Sabbath in the temple, and the minister of the temple handed Him out the scroll to read. If you notice, we have some of the same customs. Jesus, He'd read the Scriptures, then base is teaching on the Scripture. It was contrary sometimes to what the Jewish people thought it was, but yet who could, who could accuse Him? He was the Lord of glory. And He read in there where Isaiah said, He has anointed me to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. And then when He did that, He closed up and rolled up the scroll and laid it down, turned to the people and said, This day, has this word been fulfilled before you? Amen. Now, Isaiah, many hundred years, probably between five and eight hundred years before this, had prophesied under inspiration that Christ, when He came, He would be anointed to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. Amen. Then it had to become just exactly that way. For God, through His prophet, had spoke His word. And His word must come to pass, as we had this morning on Isaiah, that the people, though Jesus done many mighty works before them, yet they could not believe, because Isaiah said, Who has believed our report? To whom the arm of the Lord has been revealed? He said, They have ears, but they can't hear. And they have eyes, but they can't see and that they might be converted. Because Isaiah said that, then the people could not understand the miracles and things that Jesus was doing before them. Do you know that same prophecy? Notice, prophecy repeats itself. Did you know the words of God repeats, runs in cycles? For instance, one time in the Scripture... I read over there trying to run a Marjorie reading. All down through the Bible where it said in Matthew, the second chapter, or first chapter, I believe, said where it was fulfilled of the Lord or the prophet. Out of Egypt I have called my son. Talking of Jesus being called out of Egypt. It was also referred to when God called Israel out for Israel was his son. And the scripture that 
they, Matthew was referring to was the very scripture that he called his son Israel out of Egypt. He also called his son Jesus out of Egypt. Amen. And these scriptures tonight that we read in here are fulfilled again in the days of the Gentiles. Amen. They have eyes, but they can't see. They have ears, but they can't hear. And God is doing miracles and signs and wonders. And people are just simply closing their eyes to it. Because the prophecy has said it would be that way. Now, Jesus was prophesied by the Isaiah to preach the acceptable year. That's what we want to deal on tonight. Now, now the acceptable year was this. That in doing the time between so many years, the acceptable year is the year called in the old writings the year of jubilee. It comes ever, I believe it's either ever seven years was the jubilee year. And ever seven years, they let the ground rest. They grow no fruit on it or no planted no crops. They let their crops in the field rest ever seven years. And at that time was the jubilee. And every time that there was a slave that had been sold, or Hebrew, a man had sold his children for slavery. Now that sounds like a horrible thing. But I stood a few nights ago and watched the same thing take place. When men would bring their daughters, young women, put them up in the slave market and strip them down and sell them there for slaves. One of the fellows that was in not in our party, but it joined up with us there, bought a lovely young lady for the sum of $35 and got a, a writing in law just like you get a title to a car. Some sold for $10. Some would just give away. And how that in any place where the name of Jesus Christ is in respect, human being and women become no more than animals and how we are to praise God for the country that we live in, for the morals and things. It's a shame how we treat the things that we do as the freedoms of God. Now, they would sell a slave. Then this, this girl here, now she can go out and be a wife or she can be a handsmaid. They sell her, look at her teeth, see how strong she is, where she can work or not, or if she's a virgin or not. And so forth, and you can buy them, get as many as you want, as many as you can take care of, as many as you can pay for. And now the same thing was in the days of the Lord. When they took a slave and sold it, then every seven years there was a jubilee year come by. Now this is a great time, and it has a great significance to the people of today. Amen. Great time. Now the slaves would be in the field or wherever they was at work and then maybe bent down under the load of the taskmaster, the owner, and he was full lord and master over them because he had a legal paper that showed that this slave belonged to him. He would treat it like a horse or whatever he wanted to. It was his slave. But then every seven years... It was the law of God that there was a jubilee year. And when this jubilee year come by, then the priest rode the land, sounding the trumpet, and every slave that had been bought with a price, 
and become a servant was given the privilege to be made free. Amen. Go back home again. Back to his loved ones. He was redeemed back by grace. Amen. He didn't have to pay anything. His loved ones didn't have to pay anything. It was an act of God. Amen. What a beautiful illustration today that men and women in our country and everywhere else has sold their self out to sin, drinking, gambling, crowding, doing things that they ought not to do, and become slaves to the devil. Some I met a young lady here not long ago. She said, Brother Brandon, I'd give anything if I could only break this band of whiskey. She said, I started when I was a little girl, went with a boy, drink. We started mixing drinks, and I've become a perfect slave to it. If I don't have it, she says, I just go wild. If I could only get rid of this. I said, you can't do it yourself, but I know someone who can break it for you. The Lord Jesus Christ has come to make you free. Now, if you'll notice in symbol, that jubilee year repeats now again. Every so often, there is a revival strikes the land. Just the great wealth revival. It closed not long ago. There are people, we might go and have Billy Grimm's and Oral Robertson all over the land, everywhere. And no matter how much we try, how great we try to organize our people together and ban them, it takes God to bring a revival. Amen. No matter... We're trying to have a Christian businessman organization. That's good. Now they're trying to have an a interdenominational ministers association. That's all good. But brother, as long as it's just man, it'll never amount to anything. But it takes the Spirit of God to get among the people. Now in this great Welsh revival that started, that was a jubilee time for the Welsh people. There started just a bunch of illiterate people just preaching the gospel. And the power and the glory of God began to fall until businessmen would go to work and sit down at their desk and weep like babies and close their, meat, their business. Farmers in the field would be sitting uh, on their plows or plowing. They'd stop their teams and get out in the field, rank sinners, and raise up their hands to God and cry out for mercy. People walking on the roads and everywhere. Whistles started to blow in and everything else. There was a revival on. Amen. That's what America needs tonight. Yeah. It doesn't need a Billy Graham or it don't need a Oral Roberts. What it needs tonight Amen. is the Holy Spirit moving amongst the people claiming the year of freedom. Amen. That's right. Hallelujah. Doesn't need a new organization. Doesn't need a new setup. The only thing it needs is the Holy Spirit to come in convicting power. You can preach the gospel till you turn gray. You can work signs and wonders till you turn gray. Except God gets out amongst the people and goes to moving. Why, when that revival started, a minister went down to a place where there was a culvert across the road. And he got it, stopped his horse, and he got under this culvert and said, Almighty God, this city is all polluted down here that calls every man, woman, boy, or girl that passes over this 
Tolbert to fall under conviction by your spirit. He went and got a good faithful warrior, stuck him under that place to pray. Stay in there day and night fasting, praying. He went on into the city and asked permission to ask the blessing at the table before the dinner was served. He said, all right. And he stood and said, Lord God, cause every man and every woman that sits at this table to come under conviction. And it was said and wrote by papers that man would pass over that covered and stop their horses on the road and start weeping and crying. Men and women would come to the table and sit down and get their food and push it back and would weep and cry and repent. That's the kind of revival that we need tonight where God gets out amongst the people. We can start a meeting, work signs and wonders. I notice it here. I go out and sometimes in the meeting, blind, see, deaf here. The people come around and look and say, that's wonderful. When the revival's gone, you don't hear them no more. They're right back out. Well, yes, I believe in that. What it needs tonight is not a new preacher. What it needs is the Holy Spirit. Get out amongst the people. Go to stir them up. Hungered and thirsting for righteousness sake. Blessed are they when they hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. Wherever it is, it takes the Holy Spirit to do it. Now, in these days, when these priests that take the man out there, maybe hoeing in the cornfield, the master walking down, whipping him with a whip, hurry up there, got to hurry up with this. But just as soon as that trumpet sounded, that man could throw that hole down, say, I won't hold with it no more. And that taskmaster, that slave driver, was forbidden to touch him anymore because he was free. Why? He heard the good news. The jubilee was on. The atonement was made. And all the slaves could go free. I remember myself. Oh, my. When I heard that good news come to my heart as a little old sinner boy laying on the hospital bed and the doctor says he's got three more minutes to live, I heard a sound from heaven that told me jubilee year was on. I accepted the Lord Jesus, turned loose all the shackles of sin, and said to the devil, you can't do me any more harm because I have given my life to Christ Jesus and you can't whip me anymore. Since then he's bluffed me lots of times, but he's not been able to touch me since. He's just a bluff. I hear his whip cracking and popping and so forth, but it don't do no good because he can't get me because I belong to the Lord now. That's right. Now, we notice this fellow, after he was free to go, he was go back to his home, go back to his loved ones, go back to his wife and children. He was free. He didn't have to be a slave no more. But, here's a tragedy. If that man did not desire to go back, and he wanted to remain there, then this master walked up to him and said, you desire to still be my slave? Yes. Then they took him down to the temple, told it before the people as a public testimony, put his ear up against the post, and put an oil and marked him in the ear, then he could never be free. He had to be a servant as long as he lived. He must continue to serve this slave driver as long as he lived. If he willfully rejected his calling an opportunity to be free. Now, settle yourself just a moment. For the past 40 years, in the United States of America, has constantly been the roaring forth of the Holy Spirit 
working among men's and individuals, giving signs and wonders and all kinds of miracles. People that's been brought up from prostitutes, from illegitimate people, and so forth. They made gentlemen and Christians. There's been those who've been blind, has received their sight. Deaf ears has been opened. The great time of jubilee for the sick and the afflicted. Those who've been bound by the devil in every regard. Whether he's been sick, whether he's been blind, whether he's been crippled. There's been thousands times thousands of miracles worked amongst the people. There's been a revival constantly going in churches for the past 40 years of the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And it's come to a time as a nation and whole and as an individuals and as church groups, we have turned it down. We've walked away and rejected it. Now the bad part of it is, friends, if you grieve the Holy Spirit once too often, then you have crossed the separating line you come to a place where there's no more repentance left for you, and you'll be sealed into the kingdom of darkness where you'll never see the Lord Jesus, you'll never see the hope of life, and you'll be marked out for good and forever. What a solemn warning. Oh, I hope the Holy Spirit sinks it into your heart. You who are standing at the borderline, you thought a lot of times I'd like to be a full surrendered Christian if I can just make up my mind when to do it. Oh, my brother, sister, do you realize that this may be the last opportunity you'll ever have to become that? It may be the last night that you'll ever have the opportunity to become a Christian believer. It may be from tonight on that you've turned down the message of God for the last time, then you'll be in the sight of God marked off in apostasy. There's only going to be two classes of people in the last days. Both of them is going to wear a mark. The mark of God is the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Without a shadow of doubt. I preached that not long ago right here. By the Holy Spirit's help and the Word of God proved it that the seal of God is the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Amen. Ephesians 4.30 says, Grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby you're sealed until the day of your redemption. Amen. Without the Holy Spirit, you are not sealed. But the Holy Spirit is God's seal. Amen. And then that all that was not sealed by the Holy Spirit was tuck on the mark of the beast. And the mark of the beast is the mark of apostasy, which is rejecting the Holy Spirit. Amen. See what I mean? Yes. Then, when the year of Jubilee or the blast comes, that people are receiving the Holy Spirit, and you deliberately, willfully turn it down, God has no more, not under any more obligation to ever speak to you no more then you'll be marked off all the old types of the Old Testament, only types and shadows of the new. And to reject Christ and to turn Him down, that He's knocked at your door, you're on a danger line of being bored to the ear. Faith cometh by hearing, hearing of the Word of God, and God will put a blind over your ears 
that you'll never be able to understand them more and you'll do no more than criticize the gospel as long as you live and die and be lost forever. What a time. While it's jubilee time. While the doors are open. Did you realize that this same baptism of the Holy Spirit, I've been studying history for the last four, five, six years on the Holy Spirit, knowing that this time that's now coming up to me was coming, that I lay aside the healing services being first for a while and preach the gospel. Right? The first thing I had to do, people said, why don't you do this? Why don't you do that? The first thing I had to do with that divine gift was win the hearts of the people. If I haven't got their hearts, they wouldn't listen. Now, God has confirmed it. And now they believe me. They've seen the things that's been said come to pass word by word. They've seen the power of God move and do just exactly. Now what you say, they'll believe it. Now the first thing I had to find out was what I was talking about. For God will hold me responsible for it at the day of the judgment. That's true. The baptism of the Holy Spirit fell the first time since Pentecost in Russia 100 years ago. That's right, that's history. And they had the baptism of the Holy Spirit and worked signs and wonders a hundred years ago and rejected it as a nation and turned it down. And when they did, they have turned now to anti-God, anti-religious, and become communist. Cold, brutal, hearted. If you won't listen to God, He'll give you over to a spirit that'll condemn you. Be turned over to reprobate mind. To believe a lie and be damned by it. That's where Russia stands tonight. Damned in the sight of God because it failed to receive the jubilee message of the baptism. They were turned over to a reprobate mind. They believed the lie and are damned by it in the sight of God. The next place it fell was in Turkey. And the Turks rejected it and crucified and dropped in the sisters and so forth with swords sticking up like this. Those Armenian people and so forth and slayed them by the hundreds. And look where Turkey is tonight. Yes, sir. Now, my brother, America's had 40 years of old-fashioned apostolic preaching. The Jubilee there. And if they won't receive it as a nation, and I'm afraid they won't do it, then they'll be sealed out in dark, utter apostasy. All of our denominations, they're all right. But brother, God don't look to denominations. He looks to individuals. Christianity is a denomination. Christianity is a life that an individual lives. Amen. Sunday, thus saith the Holy Spirit, out of the Word of God, that America is in whole turning God down and will receive the mark of the beast according to Revelations, the 13th chapter. And we're moving into it. God cannot let any nation. God is not a respective nation. He's not a respective people. He wants whosoever will. And if one nation of gloom and do all this is ten, that empire would last forever. But every world empire will be broken down at the coming of the rock, hewed out of the mountains of that hands, that'll break all the world's kingdoms into pieces, and Christ will rule and reign, and of his reign shall be no end. There's 
name shall be called Counselor, Prince of Peace, Mighty God, the Everlasting Father. And the government shall be upon His shoulders, and the kingdom there shall be no end. That's the kingdom of God that shall come with power and demonstration. And all the rest of the world will be broken and shot to pieces. They're going to reject it. Nations reject it. Churches reject it. Individuals reject it. So that God can judge the nations. He can judge the churches. He can judge the individuals. For a man that comes to truth and fails to walk in truth, they have, according to the Scripture, he blasphemed or rejected the Holy Spirit of God. And have passed the day of redemption. Friends, when you walk around here and the uh, things that you get, we wear good clothes, best clothes, best dressed people in the world, the Americans. The best fed people in the world is the Americans. They drive the best automobiles in the world. They got the most money of anybody in the world. That's right. We have the best of everything in the world. We have some of the best churches in the world. We have some of the best people in the world. And yet in all of that, a nation as a whole are gradually turning away from God. Because we have placed it upon individuals. We have placed it upon denominations. We place it upon nations. Here I'm going to ask the man, I said, are you a Christian? He said, I'll give you to understand, I'm an American. I belong to a Christian nation. Well, that don't mean no more than nothing. Amen. One girl said, are you a Christian? She said, I'll give you to understand, young man, I burn a candle every night. What difference does it make how many candles you burn? What difference does it make how much you live in this nation? What difference does it make what church you belong to? Except the man be born again of the Spirit of God, he'll not see the kingdom of God. Amen. That was the warning subject of our Lord Jesus Christ. My friends, you don't know how I love you. You don't realize that when I'm, that I don't try to scold you just because I stand in a pulpit, I'll be taking advantage of you. But what I'm saying to you tonight, be warned of the gospel. Please, to Christ. Lay aside everything. Don't wait for Miss Jones. Don't wait for it to start in the church. Start it in yourself right now. Amen. For the time might come when God would point you to be a slave the rest of your life to the sin that you've been buying so long. No matter what price it is. Someone said not long ago, said, but Brother Branham, this person is real sincere. What the person is living living in sin. Or said, I'm sincere. I believe the Lord Jesus Christ. I said, if you're sincere, then prove you're sincere. Give up the sin you're living in. Oh, said, you see, it's so much involved. I said, I thought you're sincere. You say, well, I've got this to do. I've got that to do. The most vital thing that you can do is come to Jesus Christ. No matter what you've got to do. What's any more important than being born again? Every one of you know that someday you'll be a skull. And a pile of bones laying around these some of clay around here. Just as sure as you're sitting here tonight, you're headed towards that. That's right. How sincere should you be then? You get what I mean? Maybe 
and you might start an hour from now. This time next year there may not be even a piece of flesh on your bones in the next 12 months. There may not be a speck of life in your body in the next 25 minutes. And then from that time till endless ages cease to be, what will never be, the state that you go in, that's the state you'll be forever. So if you're lukewarm, brother, that's dangerous place you can stand. There's a lukewarm condition. Jesus said either be hot or be cold. Either be for me with all your heart or be against me. If you just live a pretty good life, that'll never count your self-righteous rags will never stand in the day of judgment. That's right. Say, well, I belong to church. That has nothing to do with it. I believe you should belong to church. That's all right. But that has nothing to do with salvation. So like I said this morning, the man went everywhere trying to find Jesus Christ is already in his heart. Those things that he done, shouting and speaking with tongues and so forth, them things are all right. But that's the attributes of Christ being in there first. You must get Christ here first. Then them things will take place. But you can do that without having Christ. And then, what kind of a fix are you in? Now, I've seen heathens shout. That's right. I've seen people go around and perform such funny looking things to you. You can believe anything. Pour a rope out of the sack like that. Do some hocus pocus order rope standing right straight up in the air. Take a big cobra and him striking whether he's got fangs or not. Throw a rag out there and watch his fangs hang in the rags. Go around there and play a little music over his chant and roll it around his neck. That cobra just looking at him act like he's going to strike him and hold back. Don't get near him. He'll kill you. Now I've seen him stand out there and walk through beds of fire when the coals is burned down. Take off what they had on. Walk right down through those fire coals without doing anything. No harm at all. Go into a beat pen, beat up full of glass and sneaking up like that. Run and make a big jump in it. Lay down and roll over and over and over and get up without a cut on them. Jump back out. That's faith. But brother, that ain't salvation. No, sir. Oh, such the cunning ways the devil has to deceive people. Salvation is an individual pair with God Almighty and Jesus Christ the Lord. Oh, what we need tonight, friends, is one of the old-fashioned meetings we used to have years ago to sweep the whole nation where people went home. They straightened up their home. They taken the, the evils out of their home. They stopped all their nonsense around home. Each and every home. They had it straight on the line. And they quit their means. They quit their cheating. They quit their lying. They live honest and soberly with one another. Live like Christians ought to. That's the kind of religion. And today, uh, that same kind of religion that we have is branched off and branched off until it's become so patterned to a Hollywood show almost. Now, you know that's the truth. And we go into a place, set up a big band of music, and play music, and carry on, and act like pretending Christians, but go to them and cross one up one time, and watch what you get. See, Christianity is long-suffering, goodness, meekness, gentleness, patience. Is that right? Christ, when He was reviled, He reviled out again. Is that right? Amen. Uh, 
Christianity is a life that a man lives. It's a personal experience. Not that some say, so this guy, I know this fellow does this, I know he can, he can pray for the sick and they'll get well. That don't mean he's a Christian. Faith will do anything. And if you'd only get to the places, Christians, our little group here at the tabernacle, you all, if you'd only see how that witches and wizards work miracles, sure they do. And they have a lot of demonstrations that Christianity produces. But they can't be Christians. Watch their lives, what they do. The people right there even take living with other women, adultery, as a religion. And them same people does signs and wonders. Not in, there's one thing they can't do. There's just one thing that I've never been able to see any witch doctor or anything do. They can perform miracles like make this rope stand up. They can run through fire, bewitch the fire. And they can do things like that. But they cannot heal the people. That's strange. They can put curses on people and diseases will come on the people, but they can't take the curse off and heal them. Amen. It's been that way through the Bible time. Amen. When Jambres and Jambres withstood Moses, they could bring sores and barrels, but they couldn't take them off. They could bring flies and ice, but they couldn't take it away. Amen. For the Lord is the one who heals the sick. Amen. They can dance in the Spirit. I've seen them many times. They can have all kinds of maneuvers, but they cannot heal the sick, or they cannot live a Christian life. That's one thing they can't do. And so it becomes an individual affair with every man and every woman is to see all these false things. And the Bible said that the two spirits would be so close in the last days so that it would deceive the very elect if it was possible. That's right. False Christ. False spirit. Rising up. Showing signs. Deceiving many. That's right. But my sheep know my voice. A stranger they'll not follow. Oh, what a day that we're living in. And the Jubilee time's about closed. Listen, friend, tonight. If you're here without Christ and you don't know Him, really sure in your heart, positive of it, without a shadow of doubt that Christ is in your heart, all right. But if you say, well, Brother Branham, I got broke up and cried once when I was at the altar. Don't take that. You say, well, I tell you, Brother Branham, I, I had a good time one time. I danced in the Spirit all over the place. Don't take that. See? You say, well, I prayed for a man one time. He got well. Don't take that. The thing for you to take is to know that when Christ is in your heart, when the great trials and troubles come on, He's still sweet to you. You walk just the same. If everything's going wrong and everybody's against you and everything's turned this way, you're still sweet and lovely. It's all right. Moving right on in you, your spirit, bearing record with His spirit, that you're sons and daughters of God. If that doesn't echo in your soul tonight, friend, let's not be marked out of the kingdom of God. Let's get in the kingdom of God. And when a man is once marked in the kingdom of God, he's sealed till the end of his journey. Grieve not the Holy Spirit of God whereby you're sealed until the day of your redemption. Now, we have an old-fashioned custom of altar call, bringing the people up to the altar. God be praised for that. That's a good old-fashioned thing that the Methodist Church started years ago. 
And had it, it was good. It's still good today. But it ain't necessary that you come to the altar to become a Christian. They never had it during the Bible days. They just counted them as believers. They never made an altar call all the time in the apostolic age. There's no altar calls. They said as many as believe was baptized. Is that right? They become believers. When you are thoroughly convinced that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, and in your heart, now not in your imagination, but in your heart, something echoes down there and said, Now I am saved. Amen. That's all you need right there, brother. Confess it out. And let your words go out. And then watch. Watch your life from then on. Yes. No more than a corn could bear cockleburs, neither could that man bear evil fruits. Amen. He'll have to bear good fruits. Jesus said, He that heareth my words and believeth on him that sent me has everlasting life and shall not come into condemnation that's passed from death unto life. That's because you believe. Not imagine, but you believe it. It becomes a thought in your heart. The next thing you express it as a confession. He that will confess me before man, him I'll confess before my Father, the Holy Angel. Then something anchors. That's the reality. But what we have been taught, friends, has thrown us off of the line. We've been taught, the Methodist people taught, in the beginning. They said, brother, when they got to a place they could shout, they had sanctification, they had it all made. But you come to find out it didn't work very good. That's right. Amen. When the Nazarenes could shout and raise their hands up, run up and down the aisle, they said, that's it. And many of them shouted and run up down the aisle, went out and lived any kind of a life. So they know that wasn't it. The Pentecost come along when God began to restore back the gifts to the church, begin to speak in with tongues. They said, this is it. It's got it now. We are all set out. But they found out they didn't have it. Amen. That's right. Amen. People speak with tongues and live any kind of life. Brother, what it is, be sure. Now shouting is all right. I believe in sanctification. Yes, sir. Not mine, but his. That's right. Not my holiness, but His. When He, the Holy Spirit, puts His holiness in here, it's His holiness, not mine. I'm a sinner, but He's the Lord. Now, I believe in sanctification, believe in shouting, believe that a man that's born again will give some kind of demonstration. That's right. I believe in speaking with tongues. I believe in interpretation of tongues. I believe in healing the sick. I believe in prophesying. I believe in working the miracles. But all of those things are something that follows after you have received the Lord Jesus Christ. What we've been trying to say, when He shouts, He's got it. When He prophesies, He's got it. But that ain't what He got. To take an apple off the tree don't mean you got the tree. See, you got an attribute of the tree. And that's what's caused the trouble. But when Christ is once seasoned into the heart, all these other things will automatically take place. Yes. Like now, it's coming winter time. All the trees will shed their leaves except the oak. He'll hold its leaves. When springtime comes, they're old dead leaves. You don't have to go out and pick off the leaves so new ones can come on. Just let the new life come up and the old ones drop off and new ones come on. Amen. That's the way it is with Christianity. To receive Jesus Christ doesn't... I heard people say, Well, glory to God, I once cursed. I could cuss the hat off of a man's head. Now, I quit cussing. I know I'm a Christian. No, you don't for that. No, sir. I want to drink and I quit drinking. That's a good thing. 
But that's a moral thing that you stop. But to receive Jesus Christ is to receive His person into your heart that Amen. makes you die to the things of the world that Christ lives in you. See? Amen. You absolutely could, could drink and still not be a Christian. You could keep all Ten Commandments and still not be a Christian. As far as the Ten Commandments would have saved you, Jesus wouldn't have had to die. But Jesus died that He might give you everlasting life. And that's what it is. It's the Holy Spirit living in you. Not keeping laws or doing things or something like that. That's works. Not by works are you saved, but by grace are you saved through faith. Then, if in your heart you have received the Lord Jesus, you're at peace with Him. Watch back your life. I tell you the kind of Christians I like to see. When they walk down the street and say, Now look, see that fellow going there? Now he's a Christian. I don't belong to his church. But brother, he's a Christian. I'll tell you. I've seen him in the tight places. See that woman there? Yes, sir. Well, she might not look so popular amongst the women, but she's a Christian. I tell you, she's a Christian. Let the whole city say, there's a Christian. They'll do it. The Bible said you're sealed. Did you ever put a seal on anything? They take it up like this and put a seal on it. They press it. It's on both sides. <laughs> they see you come and see you going. Is that right? You're a Christian through and through. Sealed by the Spirit of God. They know what you was. <laughs> That's right. It's a pressing, a marking, a sealing. That's exactly the truth. Now that's when you're sealed in the kingdom of God. If that paper is ever once legally sealed by a notary public and his name signed on it, it's legal as long as it's a paper, brother. That's right. Is that true? And if a man is ever born of the Spirit of God, not make-believe, but really filled with God's Spirit, He's sealing in there until the day of His redemption. You'll be Christ-like today. You'll be Christ-like tomorrow. You'll be Christ-like the next day. In the trials, He's Christ-like. In troubles, He's Christ-like. In hunger, He's Christ-like. In joy, He's Christ-like. Everywhere you see Him or her, they're Christ-like. Or they're sealed by the Holy Ghost. See what I mean? That's not your spirit. Brother, sister, don't play around with God too long. For this time might come when the jubilee time passes your door. Then you're tucked to the post of the devil. Then you're bored to the ear. And you can't hear the glorious gospel no more. What do you mean? You won't have any use for it. You know what the blaspheme of the Holy Ghost is? It's to reject it. That's right. When they blasphemed the Holy Ghost, when they rejected Jesus Christ, they called him Beelzebub in the very works that he was doing. They said he knew it by Beelzebub. Jesus told the man that... What they had done. They believed not Him. And if a man refuses to believe truth when truth is presented to him and he refuses to believe it, then that finishes it. That's certain. So if you don't know the Lord tonight, no more than just some little experience you had. If you don't know the Lord as a lovely, kind, loving Savior, won't you tonight, right now, you don't need to come to the altar. You can if you want to. But if you don't know Him, Listen to me just a minute. If I found grace in your sight as your brother, if you believe me to be his servant, now I'm putting this a little personal, but I'm doing it for a cause. If you believe that I have been in connection with Almighty God, if you believe that, listen to me now. Don't you let the sun rise on you until something is anchored in your heart. That you are a Christian. That you're at peace with your enemy. You're at peace with God. Therefore, being justified by faith, 
We have peace with God through the Lord Jesus Christ. Romans 5.1 Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. If you have enmity against some neighbor, against somebody else that's done you harm, and that person has done you harm, if you in your heart can't love that person, don't take that experience. You must love those who do not love you. If you love those who love you, sinners do the same. But you've got now, not to just act like it's a religious act, but from your heart you have to. Well, I asked you to pray for me the other day, or this morning. For me, I got so criticized people, way women dresses and things like that. I don't want to be like that. That's wrong. Now, I'm confessing it right here that I'm wrong. Now, I've seen ministers go out and do things that are not scriptural, and I say, now, that's wrong. Who am I to judge them? God is their judge. God, take that spirit away from me. Let me be like the Lord Jesus. That, and if this is true, my brother, listen, someday, someday you won't have an opportunity to be in church anymore. When I go away and come back, my wife tells me, you know so-and-so? Yes. Do you know they died the other day? You're an old friend of mine. That played with her as a boy, way after came. He's my chum from a little boy up. We've been together. We slept together. We've lived peace together as little boys and come on up. And while I was overseas, a young, strapping young man that had been healed once, divine healing, was walking right along and died instantly with a heart attack. Who would ever thought Will Edgar King, about eight or ten years younger than I am, strapping young fellow, about 180 pounds, walking along, very picture of health, a young man with a fine little wife, three or four little kitties, and just toppled over. He's the head buyer for all the supermarkets of the South. Fine physician, lovely home, lovely family, but was taken like that. Brother, God, his soul is in the hands of a just God. That'll give him the right kind of a judgment. We are sitting here tonight. God only knows where we'll be in the morning. Now, if you're not right with God while we pray, right in your heart now, not to me, not to the people, but in your heart before God, say, Lord Jesus, I have just been playing around. But tonight, I feel in my heart that this is the time that I want to accept you fully as my Savior. And from this on, by your grace, I'll look straight to Calvary and walk a straight Christian life. Shall we pray? Heavenly Father, in whom we love and trust, knowing this as a minister, priest, ministering spiritual things to people, standing here tonight between the living and dead, knowing this, that someday, without a shadow of doubt, I'll have to answer for every word at the judgment seat of Christ. Seeing men and women in here, lovely people, do anything that I'd ask them to do, Father. Seeing someone needy, good-hearted. Now, Lord, it's hard as a human being with them to bring those cutting words that they must receive Christ or be rejected. Father, that brings us to know that I have a pure, divine love for them. Not something that would harm them, but something that loves them eternally. And I have offered them thy Son, the Lord Jesus, who will stand in their stead at the day of judgment. Father, I pray that you'll receive everyone 
I never asked it for hands to be lifted up. I didn't feel to do that. But I felt that there's many here, Father, that wants to walk close to you. They want to surrender themselves. And they're doing it right now. By faith, I believe it, Lord, that they're now laying aside every little weight and saying from tonight on, seeing that life is so fragile anyhow, there's not much to it. I want to spend all that I have for the Lord Jesus. God grant that from this night they'll walk that way. And then, Father, may those same people walk here and take the communion tonight now, the broken body of the Lord Jesus Christ. And then we, if they do that with a sincere heart, you said you'd raise them up at the last day, give them everlasting life. Grant these things, kind Father, for we ask them in Jesus' name, thy Son. Amen. I'm not going to ask you how many made the consecration, but I believe many of you did. And myself, I did in my heart. Lord, take that critical spirit from me. Now, I don't criticize people out to their face, but in my heart I do. I see a lady walking down the street, especially that, and see she's not dressed properly. I say, isn't that awful? In my heart, I don't say it to nobody else. After all, that's her business. She's a free moral agent. She ain't got no right to do it. Christ bought her life. But maybe she doesn't understand. So, not for me to criticize. Let God do that. When I'm in a pulpit, I'll preach the gospel the best way I know how. And the rest of it, I'll commit to God. The Lord bless you, friends. Now we're going to have communion service just in a few minutes. How many believes in communion? Thank you. That's what Jesus Christ asked us to do. To take the broken parts of his body and to do it until he returned again. And if you who believe this to be the truth and would like to have this little time of fellowship with us around the word of God here, we'd be happy for you to, to stay with us and, and have this time. If not, we're going to dismiss just a few moments. We'd like for you to stay with the rest of them anyhow so that you'd be able to see the way we take the communion. This is not only... This is for also for divine healing. Do you know that? When Israel eat the type, the lamb, the Passover, they journeyed 40 years in the wilderness and come out without one feeble person in their midst. Think of that. Not one feeble person. 40 years. The communion, a sign of believers. Now, in 1 Corinthians, the 11th chapter, beginning with the 23rd verse, I'm going to read this for the benefit of the church. Paul speaking, For I have received the Lord, which I also delivered unto you. The Lord Jesus, the same night he was betrayed, took bread, and, and when he had given thanks, he break it, and said, Take and eat. This is my body which is broken for you. This do it remembers to me. At the same manner he took the cup when he supped, saying, This is the cup of the New Testament. In my blood this do you as often as you drink it in remembrance to me. For as often as you do you eat this bread and drink this cup, you show forth the Lord's death till he comes. Isn't that marvelous? Show forth his death until he comes. 
Wherefore, whosoever shall eat this bread and drink this cup of the Lord unworthily shall be guilty of the body and the blood of the Lord. What does this mean, Brother Brennan? It means this. If you come and take communion and go out and live a different kind of a life than what a Christian ought to live, you're bringing reproach and disgrace to the cause of the Lord Jesus Christ. You understand it? If you're a Christian, come. If you're not, don't do it. Look. But let a man examine himself and so let him eat the bread and drink the cup. For, 29th verse, For he that eateth and drinketh unworthily eateth and drinketh damnation to himself, not discerning the Lord's body. For this cause many are sick and weakly among you, many sleep. For we should judge ourselves, we should not be judged. But when we are judged, we're chastened of the Lord, that we should not be condemned with the world. When we eat this bread and drink this cup, let's examine ourselves and say, Now, do I walk worthy? Well, I don't walk worthy, no. But Christ in me makes me walk worthy. I love him, I testify of him. I'm not perfect, never will be in this world. You're not perfect, never will be. But my love to him, and he lets me live for him, and I love to do it and testify of him. I don't go out in crowds and do things evil that brings reproach to his name. For if I find out that I do something, then I'm chastened of the Lord. Why does God do this? That we wouldn't be condemned with the world. Now, there's a great difference between the believer and the unbeliever. God makes a difference. Remember, the believers in Egypt was all on the inside under... What? Under the blood. The lamb was killed and its blood was hyssop, was sprinkled on the door. Look where it was put at. On the lintel of the door. That's the door jam here, the door piece. The lintel of the door and on the door post. See what it is? The cross. Amen. Hundreds of years before the Lamb of God came and was slain. Amen. But the type of the Lamb, it was put on the lintel and on the door. And every Israelite coming under that blood Amen. was forbidden to go out anymore. Amen. Amen. There you are. Forbidden to go out. They were under the blood. They could not go until orders came to march. Orders to go forward. Type of Christ. Once for by one sacrifice has He perfected forever those that are sanctified in Christ Jesus. Amen. Once for all. No more coming back. No more going this. No more doing that. Or you'll backslide. Do things that's wrong. Just repent and come on. See? But one time, Christ sanctifies the human soul by filling it with the Holy Spirit. It's perfected forever. Amen. There you are. No more desire to go out. For the worshiper once purged has no more conscience or desire, the right translation, the worshiper once purged. Oh, I wish I could just think that deep. The worshiper, the believer, once purged 
has no more desire of sin. Never. Settled forever. For he has perfected by one sacrifice forever those that are in Christ Jesus. The world becomes dead. You don't care for it no more. Your affections are set on things above. Now, if you're saying you're a Christian and still living worldly lives, then you are chastened of the Lord. For you should not be condemned with the world. Wherefore, when you come together, wherefore, my brethren, when you come together to eat, tarry one for the other. Watch. And if any man hunger, let him eat at home, that you come not together under condemnation, and the rest I'll set in order when I come. You know, it's Paul here. Those Corinthians, they didn't get it. They went up there and even get drunk at the Lord's table. And they eat and drink and done everything wrong. Paul said, when you come together, if a man's hungry, let him eat at home. But when you come together, tarry one for another. In other words, wait on one another. They say, now here's a brother that I don't think ought to take the communion. Well, don't run up there and jerk him out. Have patience with him. After the service is over, in a kind way, come over to his house some night and sit down. Say, brother, uh, forgive me if I'm wrong, but I seen you down the other day on the street drunk, whatever he was doing, out with some other lady that wasn't your wife, and you're taking communion. I love you, brother. Let, let you not pray over this thing and straighten it up. See, wait on one another. Be servants to one another. Don't be bigger than somebody else. Try to see how little you can be. I've often heard say, don't never be big in your own sight. If you're big, let it be in God's sight. Be little in your own sight. Every man that humbles himself, God will exalt. But those who exalt himself, God will bring a baby. Be little. This man say, well, he's so I know, but uh, he's my brother. I like to be his servants, you see. Be servants to one another. Love one another in such a way that, oh my. Uh, you, you, we used to sing a little song. I don't know whether you remember now. We sing, blessed be the tie that binds our hearts in Christian love. The fellowship of kindred mind is like to that above. When we asunder part, it gives us inward pain, but we shall still be joined in heart and hope to meet again. And I stood down there in the San Angelo uh, catacomb, looked laying there all along for a mile near the other ground, graves where they have to bury their dead. And right on the corner was a little bitty grave, that was the children, where they put the children in the corner. And there was a little church down there where they had to hide away. I went down there in the old Roman cathedral where they burned them to the stake, fed them to lines. I walked out there in the middle of that place and stood there. I looked around. I haven't seen it yet. All the dirt that fell in and there's the great places where the lions come out. I walked out about where I thought maybe the lion pit was where the Christians died. I raised up my hands and stood there. How's it old Jesus? I'm such an unworthy creature. To think that my brothers seal their testimony here by the mouth of lines and so forth for the cause of Jesus Christ. 
I have to stand and look behind me and somebody hosted up the old rugged cross standing over yonder. I begin to hum in my heart. On the hill far away stood an old rugged cross, the emblem of suffering and shame. How that man through the ages, the whole world is drenched with the blood of the martyrs of the Lord Jesus Christ. I thought, what a little old thing that we are. Thinking about taking a little missionary trip. Maybe you have to stand a little persecution. Somebody laugh at you. I'm becoming a football. But have people kick me around a whole lot. That don't make any difference. They kicked around man before me. They did things like that. They called this there letter. I got a gospel to preach. I got a Lord that I love. I got a goal to make. And when I come to the end of the road, I want to come with every one of you saying this. I have fought a good fight. Some of these nights, no doubt, I'll be standing at the pulpit when my face will turn pale. My lips will seal. Now, I've always wanted to go across the pulpit like that, home to glory. Some of these days I'll preach my last sermon. I'll make my last altar call. I'll pray for the last sick person. I want to die with a Bible in my hand calling on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Find a good fight, finish the course. My beloved brothers and sisters, whatever there is, if there's anything in your life contrary to Christ, let's confess it. Come up here now and take the Lord's Supper, joining our hearts together as one unit of Christian faith to let our Lord Jesus know that we love Him with all of our hearts. Will you do it now while we play? And Teddy, if you will, I think they come by sections. Is that right, brother? Now if the elders will come forward now to help us and stand here. And where do you start? What side, brother? What side? All right, these brethren now, they've got a system here of how we all don't have to come at once. And now you come and take the communion with us. We'll be happy for you to eat this supper with us. I'm sure that we can all say tonight that we're happy we're Christians. The act that we have just did is almost 2,000 years old. Before the going away of our Lord Jesus, he bid us to do this. And to do it until he returned again. And he gave us the assurance of his own word, which cannot fail. Can never fail. Is that he that eats my flesh and drinks my blood has everlasting life. And I'll raise him up at the last day. St. John, the sixth chapter. That gives me such a hope that you're seeing... False religions of the world, sun worships, idol worship, and all their conceptions of a supernatural being. But yet see this word, how infallible it is. And the one who's proved that it be infallible has given us this divine promise of his that he'll raise us up at the last day. Now to the strangers in our gates, there's just a little more to this than what we have just done. I shall read it first to you out of the Bible in St. John, the 13th chapter. Second verse beginning. And supper being ended, the devil had put in the heart of Judas Issachar, Simon's son, to betray him. Jesus, knowing the Father, give all things to his hand, that he was come from God and went to God. He rises from the supper laid aside his garments and took a towel and girded himself. After that he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel wherewith he was girded. 
Then cometh he to Simon Peter. Peter said unto him, Lord, dost thou wash my feet? Jesus answered and said unto him, What I do now thou knowest not, but thou shalt know hereafter. Peter said unto him, Thou shalt never wash my feet. Jesus answered him, If I wash thee not, thou hast no part with me. Simon Peter said unto him, Lord, not my feet only, but my hands and head. Jesus said unto him, He that is washed need not to wash, save not to wash his feet, but is clean ever with. You're clean, but not all. For he knew who should betray him, wherefore he said, You're not all clean. So after he had washed their feet, and had taken his garments and sat down again, he said unto them, Know you what I have done unto you? You call me Master and Lord, and you say, Well, or so I am. If I then, your Lord and Master, have washed your feet, you ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example that you should do as I have done unto you. Happy are ye if you know these things and do them. It's been an order of the tabernacle here through the time of 20-something years of existence that we've always made a practice of feet washing. The Baptist people carried it before Pentecost. Pentecost picked it up in its early days and carried it on. So we are tonight, as always, observed this order. We have a room here called a prayer room. The ladies go into that to observe this great uh, order that God left us. And the men go into the room to the prayer to this office over here, deacon's office. And we observe the feet washing. And you, the stranger with us tonight, not a stranger, but a fellow citizen of the kingdom. If you've never observed this, either man or woman, we accordingly ask you and invite you to come and join this fellowship with us. And if you have never did it before, we would be glad to have your fellowship tonight for your first time with us. However, if you don't feel that you wish to do it, something urging you to go home immediately or something, we want to say that we're happy you were here with us tonight. I kind of apologize for breaking up my sermon and things the way I did. I'm not much of a preacher to begin with. And then it comes kind of unexpected. It makes it kind of hard for me. A little later on, maybe the Lord will help me in these matters. And maybe after returning back from out west, I hope that the Lord gives me a good rest out there so I can return back. And maybe, but Brother Neville and I hold a good old-fashioned revival here for a few nights on teaching the Word. If somebody has just met me today wants to be baptized down in the river, I'd be glad to baptize anyone, any place. It's all right. Now, we're, you're always welcome at the Branham Tabernacle. We're not any denomination. We are not against denominations, but we're just not denominational. So you're always welcome. We don't have any membership here. We just have fellowship one with another. By the blood of Jesus Christ, God's Son cleanses us from all unrighteousness. And... Till we meet again, may God's peace and grace be with each one of you. I pray that God will take sickness from your midst and will give you a good, safe journey home tonight, good health and strength, hoping to meet you here Wednesday night. Until then, may His grace be with you while we stand, if you will. Okay. The pastor here, Brother Neville, is dismissed in a word of prayer.